You're listening to The 10-Minute Medic, the podcast for busy paramedic students. This week's podcast is sponsored by Eastern Kentucky University Paramedic Program. They've been offering degrees to working paramedics for over 40 years. Now you can earn yours 100% online. The presence of a right ventricular MI has always been something that is a mysterious hold for paramedics. In the past, any patient with a right ventricular MI, or RVI, was prohibited from receiving nitroglycerin because of a possibility that they'd suffer from a life-threatening hypotension. However, is this really the case? In this podcast, we'll look at the pathophysiology of the RVI and maybe even dispel a few myths. The emphasis on the study of RVI in pre-hospital medicine has grown because of the importance of telling the difference between those with an RVI and those that do not. It's important for you to keep in mind that any time a patient has an inferior wall AMI, especially when they're showing signs of inadequate cardiac output, that they're placed at a greater risk of an RVI. In addition, the potential for severe hypotension in these patients also have a greater incidence of bradycardia that requires the use of transcutaneous spacing. Having an infarction in the right ventricle alone is very rare. According to research completed by Dr. Tomas Andres and Jan Kanofsky, the relatively small percentage of RVIs may be explained by several factors. Lower oxygen requirements of the right ventricle due to its smaller muscle mass and workload, increased blood flow during diastole and systole, more extensive collateralization of the right ventricle, this coming primarily from the left coronary artery, and diffusion of oxygen from inner chamber blood through the thin wall of the right ventricle. Being able to conclusively prove that the patient has an RVI is more often seen during the postmortem autopsy than when the patient's alive. When a patient has an MI in the right ventricle, which can occur in up to 40% of the inferior wall AMIs, the net effect is a reduction in the contractile force of that ventricle. This causes a drop in the amount of blood flowing to the lungs and returning to the left ventricle. Ultimately, there's a decrease in the cardiac preload with the patient exhibiting jugular vein distension, severe hypotension, as well as a reduction in the amount of oxygen being delivered to the cells of the body. Right side of heart failure, for example, from an MI is classified as preload dependent. When hypotension ensues because of this, you need to try to improve the patient's hemodynamic state by increasing cardiac output of the heart. For the right side, this is done by increasing preload, which would increase wall tension. Think of stretching a rubber band so that the farther you stretch it, the greater the snapback. You get this picture, stroke volume, based on the Frank Starling law, is the exact same thing. If you give nitroglycerin, you dilate the vessel so that less blood returns to the heart, resulting in a decrease in the stroke volume of the right heart. Symptoms of RVIs can vary from little to no effect on the cardiovascular status, so life-threatening hypotension, severe bradycardia, and cardiogenic shock. Doing a standard 12-lead ECG will not automatically pick up the presence or, or absence of involvement of the right ventricle infarction. You should always complete a right precordial lead ECG in all patients suffering from an inferior wall MI. More about this in just a moment. There is a direct relationship between the location of the obstruction in the right coronary artery and the degree of damage from the occlusion. The more proximal the obstruction, the greater the amount of the right ventricle involved. As the contractility of the right ventricle decreases, the pressure found within that ventricle continues to increase. This results in a drop in the systolic pressure. 
This can lead to a dramatic drop in the output from the right ventricle, causing early stages of right-sided congestive heart failure. One method of offsetting the hypotension inherent with RVI is to begin a fluid bolus of 500 milliliters of crystalloid solution. Prior to the administration of any fluid bolus, the paramedic should be certain that there is little to no fluid in the lungs. Some patients may present in fluid overload with the addition of this amount of fluid. So, what about the administration of nitroglycerin? Giving nitroglycerin to a patient with an RVI can cause the preload to drop even more, this leading to a worsening of the hypotension. But does that mean that nitroglycerin is contraindicating the presence of a right ventricle MI? According to a study published in the Pre-Hospital Emergency Care Journal in 2016 and authored by Robichaud, Ross, and others, over a 29-month period, the researchers identified 1,466 STEMI cases. Of those, 821 of them, or 56%, received nitroglycerin. 16 cases were excluded because of missing data. Hypertension occurred after the nitroglycerin in 38 of the 466 inferior STEMIs and 30 of the 339 non-inferior STEMIs. A drop in the blood pressure of greater than or equal to 30 millimeters of mercury post-nitroglycerin occurred in 23.4 of inferior STEMIs and 23.9 of non-inferior STEMIs. Nitroglycerin administration to patients with chest pain and inferior STEMI on their computer-interpreted electrocardiogram is not associated with a higher rate of hypotension compared to patients with STEMI in other territories. This week's episode is sponsored by the Eastern Kentucky University Department of Paramedicine. Did you know that currently licensed paramedics can now earn their associate's or their bachelor's degree in EMS leadership 100% completely online? All the classes that they offer qualify for state and federal financial aid and are delivered in convenient eight-week format. For more information on how you can get started, drop me an email at bill.young at eku.edu. There's no hard and fast rule against the administration of nitroglycerin in the presence of an REI. Two items that must be accomplished prior to the administration of nitroglycerin to any patient is first, the establishing of an IV with a minimum of an 18-gauge catheter. Getting your IV first will be much easier if you do it prior to the potential drop in blood pressure than if you do it after you've given the nitroglycerin. Secondly, make sure that you get the 12 lead prior to the administration of any medication. Doing so will allow you to see if you have an inferior wall MI and allow you to test for the presence or not of an RVI. Anytime you have an inferior wall MI, there's an increased probability of right-sided involvement in which you should complete a right-sided ECG by moving lead V4 over to its corresponding spot on the contralateral side. It's also important to remember that in the presence of an inferior wall MI, there's an increase in the occurrence and severity of nausea and vomiting because of the involvement of the vagus nerve. As far as nitroglycerin for right-sided MI, there's differing opinions, although all state that if it is administered to do so cautiously due to this dramatic reduction in preload, in which the heart is depending upon for its stretch and contractility, which will ultimately provide the cardiac output. Some protocols absolutely contradict nitroglycerin, while others just state to ensure IV access and be alert for a precipitous drop in the blood pressure. Always be sure to follow what your approved local protocol is. One thing that is for certain, these patients will need fluid in order to preserve cardiac output, and a preemptive fluid bolus can be given prior to the nitroglycerin. You may want to consider the administration of dopamine if the pressure bottoms out. 
The problem here is that dopamine will bring an increase in the workload of the heart, potentially worsening the MI. Short-term prognosis of patients presenting with RVI is worse than those with isolated left ventricle MI. Morbidity and mortality are increased. This could be because of the complications that can occur from significant right ventricular infarction. This may necessitate additional invasive procedures and in the use of implanted cardiac defibrillators or replacement of a ventricular assist device once the patient gets to the hospital. The long-term prognosis of patients is similar to that of patients with a left ventricular MI. In conclusion, the RVI nitroglycerin gremlin isn't big and bad as some will make it seem to be. The bottom line here is you need both critical thinking and common sense. If you have concerns about their systolic blood pressure, don't give the nitroglycerin. Give a fluid bolus instead and then consider if you want to administer nitroglycerin. In addition, you can always pick up the phone, dial up your hospital med control, and have a consultation with the ER doctors. Doctors do this all the time. On the other hand, you aren't going to crash a patient by giving them nitroglycerin if they are hypertensive in the presence of an RVI. A true RVI will generally present itself along with hypotension and rule out nitroglycerin. Deciding what you're going to do is exactly what makes medicine an art.